0: And an indó askeige e Táim imíchttaí e dhéhsachcht ar end of chacht
1: a máchan seo gur féidir é chor iúigh fis turmi
2: ara
3: igornamion fracht even own
0: oxygen find us on all the usual podcast platforms
2: On this week's big tech show when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets?
3: They were
0: O'Driscoll, oh, Forgan Extra Man, it's Fitzgerald. Oh, Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh, oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, Alfa Fitzgerald again, stamped and scored, number two
3: for him. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined in studio for our. Bumper USA whoop, rugby whoop, whoop. preview <laughs> by Luke Mistrell. Luke, hello. Will how are we? I can safely say that there isn't a rugby podcast in the world who well maybe do it's an American one, who'll be promoting this Ireland versus USA Eagles game as heavily as we are today.
0: We're going to give it our best shot. Yeah, we got two of the Eagles and uh, coming yeah. coming into us on, as well.
3: Head coach Gary Gold and attack coach Craig McWilliams coming in. Greg, obviously a Dubliner, front, you know he used yeah. to coach in St Michael, so yep. we have a great Irish connection t- uh, to the USA Eagles. So we're really looking forward to this one.
0: Yeah, so am I. Will you know? Look, I think there'll be a, uh, an opportunity. I think for a lot of the guys who maybe uh, haven't been able to to shine in the in the big ones, I suppose Argentina and, and New Zealand. Um, but I think there's lots of guys playing really good rugby in Ireland at the moment. Um, and it's going to be great to hopefully get that see them you know um, show their show show what they're made of I suppose and, and see if they can impress because at the end of the day we're trying to build a big squad It's a, you know it's definitely a stated aim of Joe Schmidt I'd be surprised if he I, I think he'll probably give a few of the guys a good few of the guys pretty much the week off you know and probably deservedly so uh, that was a real battle on the weekend against uh, against the All Blacks so I'd be surprised if there was actually anyone maybe that I'd, I'd, I'd love to see all the bench involved I think that's a good opportunity to do that you'd love to see someone like an Andrew Conway or David Kilcoyne has been playing very well um, I'd actually like to see Will Addison get another go as well he, he's a guy who's impressed and I think Stuart McCluskey's a guy who I think as well probably deserves an opportunity uh, John Cooney another guy Luke McGrath loads of people who I'd love to see Ty Byrne, of course who was brilliant against Italy as well who'd feel definitely a little bit hard done by to miss out on that, uh, that Irish 23 against Argentina and, uh, and New Zealand so look it is a really exciting one we're looking forward to seeing the, the, the USA team as well because you know, I think the like it's very difficult for them to get all the people coming in from all the different parts of the world. I think to get a team together is a big challenge there. Um, but this is a, you know a good coaching ticket. A lot, of, a lot of experience with Gary. He's a huge amount of experience with great teams and some of the, the some struggling teams. You know, probably Worcester is probably the highlight there. In that you know he was able to drag them out of a very tough situation. Um, but obviously he was coaching that brilliant South African team as well um, after 07, But Greg is a guy who's up, who's an up and comer. He's coaching over in Yale at the moment, um, and as well just a really enthusiastic guy. I'm pretty sure that'll come across in in his interview. But I'm interested to see the impact they can have and, and what kind of game plan they'll bring to try and attack this Ireland team because it'll be a young enough Ireland team you know
3: yeah no I'm looking forward to the game I'll actually be watching it in New York as well so mm-hmm. uh, you know with, the, with the, the local rugby fans over there I'm going to be watching it in the Grafton pub in East Village if there's any left wing fans <laughs> based over in America who want to come out say hello uh, buy me free drinks ask me questions you know I'll tell them what Luke is really like off air you know, <laughs> don't so, so you know, any any, any left wing fans knocking around New York feel free to for a call into the Grafton pub I'll make, I'll make yourself known why the me. Grafton do you know someone who owns it or no I just asked a mate Derek, give me the name of a pub that we might be watching this match in so I can plug hey, it.
0: Why don't you go to our pal who, who from from last year from the show? Um, the the mans they have a great few great. They have like fifteen or sixteen pubs over. In oh new really? York. Yeah. That the, the uh, Kennedys uh, from Kennedys. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, they have like. Well, I'm know, open
3: to offers. So you know, you I'll slide them, into
0: my DMs with a couple I, of you know free <laughs> drink
3: offers, and I can make myself known as a celebrity. The, the pig, and celebrity whistles. guest.
0: They're famous pubs. Pig and Whistles. Yeah. And then he has a new one called Broadstone. It's really cool. And another one that's kind of a like a Mexican restaurant next to it as well so he's. There's loads of places over there so you no. should head into one of them no, I'm looking because forward he supports to it. the show the Kennedy's was a great spot no, for it it's so a super no. show there
3: no really looking forward to this weekend so without further ado I'm delighted to invite in USA Eagles head coach Gary Gold and attack coach Greg McWilliams guys thanks so much for coming in very good
1: to be here thanks for inviting
3: us yeah, appreciate, thanks, it. appreciate it and Greg a return home to Dublin for you excited?
2: yeah no excited it's been good it's been a long uh, tour for us and uh, we got back in on Sunday so just trying to settle in and, and get our week process up and running getting ready for Saturday well
3: it's a funny one Gary obviously we had Ireland versus the All Blacks last weekend number one versus number two in the world everyone var- very excited this weekend maybe on paper it might look like the stakes are a little lower but the only two international teams in 2018 who have one loss are going head to head on Saturday so
1: two good records yeah, as you say, on paper, it's probably two good records, but I think Ireland have probably played slightly better on position than what we have over the last 12 months. But, um, wow, what a what a fantastic year for Ireland. And uh, they, they're really progressing in, uh, in, in leaps and bounds. And uh, the, the, the common trend that I've seen after the game and the weekend everywhere in the world, you know, back home in South Africa, in the UK, is just how good it is for rugby. Uh, everybody admires the All Blacks. They're wonderful rugby team they're a great bunch of guys, but it's good for rugby that, you know, there's there's stiff competition out there and, and and they won't be a happy lot. They'll they'll be very uncomfortable at the moment.
3: Yeah, we'll move on to the US team and, and their fortunes in a minute, but just while we're on the subject of I guess last weekend's game, like do you, do you think the All Blacks are slightly more vulnerable now than they have been in the past, like South Africa beat them a couple of weeks ago as well. They should have probably beaten them a second time. England almost beat them as well. Is there hope for the rest of the world ahead of that World Cup that the gap is as narrow as it's been since maybe you know six, seven years ago, uh, unquestionably. And,
1: and, and, uh, and, and i say this with all the best respect in the world, because they've been our biggest foes from the years gone by when I was coaching in South Africa, uh, fantastic rugby nation, wonderful people, great rugby players, but, but they are coming off the boil and they've been coming off the boil for a couple of years now, in fact. And, uh, uh, the other issue as well is that away from home, they, they, they're a lot more vulnerable than they are. In their own back garden they, they're still a terrific team you know in new zealand um, but away from home they've shown some proper vulnerabilities
3: it's interesting coming off the boil why, why so do you think
1: um well i think steve hansen's let the cat out the bag a little bit after the game by saying that they caught between two different game plans and i thought that was very brave of him but but probably slightly irresponsible of him to say something like that and i think they caught be- between two game plans because they they were a very structured team we knew exactly what they were going to do and. And, and, and those of us who have played against them and studied them for so long actually realized that they're were, they were a particularly well-disciplined ga- team in terms of the way they played the game and where they played the game. And against Ireland on the weekend, you saw some really interesting stats coming out of the game. I mean, playing a lot more rugby in their own half, a lot more rugby in their own 22, because I think they were under pressure to play, catch up rugby. And it's really an interesting thing because uh, one of the one of the goals, the outcomes that uh, or, uh, when you played against the All Blacks for a long time is is to try and get an early lead against them because then that's, that's uncharted waters for them to have to be playing catch-up rugby. And I thought Ireland did that
0: spectacularly on the weekend. And, and yeah, it's interesting you say that. And, and Greg, you'll know, as, as, as a backs coach, you know, I, th- I think that's a great point, Gary, because when I was watching them, I just I thought, I thought remember the last time I had been in the setup, and we were playing against them, we were going into a World Cup campaign, Joe Schmidt came out with a really interesting stat about how much they kicked the ball because there was lots of complaints about how Ireland, how much Ireland kicked the ball. And... Um, but Dan Carter and those guys running the game from behind the scrum—they kicked the ball a huge amount. Mm. I mean, when you looked at the game last weekend, as I'm sure you were, you were watching, was that like that was my impression of it? I thought they didn't kick very well. And with Ireland, like when you don't kick or you decide not to kick, they just slip the extra guys up. They end up having 13 guys up in the line. Oftentimes, very hard to break down. As yeah, coach.
2: I think there was 55 kicks in the game last week. I think mm. Ireland kicked 32 times, and I think New Zealand kicked 23 times. So still a high kicking percentage, but you know. I think Wayne Smith is a pretty, pretty big loss from that whole environment. Um, mm. I think we're beginning to see now just how big an impact he played on New Zealand. I think certainly a World Cup year, I think having this game last weekend and having Ireland coming off the way they did, and as Gary says, the rest of the rugby world now, it gives everybody hope that everybody, anybody can beat anybody. And going into a World Cup year is just going to make it really exciting to see how Six Nations goes and next year's Tri-Nations and roll on uh,
3: World Cup 2019. Of course, you guys are going to be involved in that World Cup as well. Uh, you know, you're in a pool with England, Argentina, with France. So very exciting for the US team. And I guess it's it's been a very good year for you guys. As I mentioned, you've only lost one game. You have beaten Scotland. You had a win over Samoa. I know when you played the Mary, you maybe didn't have as full of strength team as you'd like. But overall, you must be very pleased with, with how US rugby's gone this year.
1: Oh, we are very pleased. I mean, uh, uh, you know, again, uh, twelve twelve months ago, um, we we identified that there you know there was a lot of learning for us and. And uh, we set our our sights on on trying to 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 climb up the world rugby rankings. And um, when I took over, we we're at 17, and we said by the time we try and get to World Cup, it, it would be really cool if we could try and be a top 10 team. I think we still way off that at the moment now. Um, but but the exciting thing for us at the moment is the way to try and grow the game is 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 by being successful. Uh, it's easier said than done, and and the more success that we've had and. And, and being able to pick up a couple of wins along the way have, has really got the you know, the, the, the rugby public in the US quite excited about wanting to participate in the game at the moment. And and we're seeing that the numbers of participation are, are up in the game. And, and that's really what it's about for us at the moment. I mean, we we
0: still are a tier two team and we, we, we're way off being a top 10 team at the moment. And just in terms of the, of the US public, you know, and we're obviously, you know, most most people around the world would be obsessed with, you know, NFL and it's way more accessible now and, you know, basketball, baseball, but they just seem to love physical contact and the sports, you know, hockey as well. Obviously, huge over there. What's your sense of it? Like over there, do you think there's a big appetite, and do you think there's a big possibility that this that ga- the game can grow over there? I mean, you, you look at the athletes and the quality of the athletes; they definitely have the pick of the bunch there. I mean, obviously, trying to tap into even a portion of that is must be part of the the, the strategy there. Do you feel like it's you know that there that that's you've you a plan that's coming together a little bit, or do you think that those people are like, that you're able to access them at the moment? Uh, I, I think probably. Greg could answer that
1: question a lot better. Mm. I mean, he's director of rugby at Yale University. He's been in the States a lot longer than I have. But from my observations over a shorter period of time is, is, there, is an, there is an excitement, but at the moment it's a case of they don't know what they don't know. Mm. And just not a lot of people have been exposed to the game of rugby at the mm. moment. And and when they are exposed to the game of rugby, it does seem that they're very excited about it. They they find that uh, American people that I've met who, who recently – Introduced to the game, have found it a, a fun spectacle. They um, can't understand how he can do so much contact with no pads on and no helmets. And and
0: um, I'd say they're a bit like the South Africans, Gary. They yeah. love their bit of contact. They the South Africans a love their bit of contact.
1: Yeah, you know, <laughs> not, too, not too shy of a little bit of contact. No. They, do, of they, they do enjoy the contact. They yeah. do. They do enjoy the contact element and the and the, and the fun and the the adrenaline that the contact uh, gets going. And uh, but but at the moment, I mean, the game just isn't. It isn't accessible enough in the states. It's not on. It's not on national broadcasting stations enough. Not not nearly as much as the basketball, the football, the hockey, or, or any of those major sports are. I mean, I went to a college football game uh, a couple of months ago, and there were a hundred thousand people at a college football game, a university American football game. You know, and along uh, 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 that. Long may that be the goal of of, of American yeah. rugby, to be able to get to a, to a game where you can get 100,000 people watching a rugby game. And
3: Greg, I know with your collegiate background, I think you might be well-placed to answer this. When I think of U.S. rugby and its potential, obviously grassroots, you'd love to have players coming up as rugby players. But failing that, is there a, a market in... Collegiate football players who don't make it into the NFL who might have phenomenal physical gifts, good skill sets, you know, maybe a running back position like that, can they be turned into rugby players, or is that too late?
2: I I think USA's like biggest uh, challenge is trying to get the, the 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 players playing at a younger age. We know that, but certainly if there's crossover athletes, I mean, we see basketballers, for example, of a gr- great awareness of space, really good skill set. You know, they can make really good crossover athletes. Wrestlers are very good crossover athletes. Generally, footballers are are. Uh, very, very good athletes, but as we know in this game, being an athlete is actually a very small part of it. I mean, the ability to read space, to simple catch pass and, and use your feet is is what we really want people in America to do from a very early age and primarily have coaches to coach the game the right way. Um, so... Big thing for me getting to the states was to be involved in in a place like Yale University, coming from a teaching background, and it's been it's been an incredible experience for me. Um, even being around you know the board at Yale and and getting really good uh, I suppose uh, getting a good insight into how good businesses are ran. But when you look at that, um, all the way across the board, a lot of colleges have have, I suppose it's tricky for them because football and varsity sports take so much of of the uh, time. Uh, try and get rugby onto the map in, in uh, college sports is quite difficult. So that's always a challenge that we have, but the more that we can win, hopefully, uh, and grow the sport, the more, hopefully, that colleges will get on board and, and start playing the game at an earlier age.
1: And, and as Greg says, I mean, the, the biggest challenge right now, if you took a, a bird's eye view of the game in America at the moment, is it's not being played at a young enough age, the game mm-hmm. of rugby. And so those fine skills that, that we 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 um, South Africans, Irish, English, New Zealanders are, are, are used to by playing touch rugby when you're five, six, seven, eight years old or, you know, starting the game at such a young age, those fine skills in the game of rugby aren't, aren't being honed at the moment now because the game isn't big enough at, at a young enough age level, even just high school. You know, so, so that's part of the drive is to, is, is to get the game into high schools, get the guys at any, any age from 13 to 15 at least getting a rugby ball in their hands and starting to play. And the popularity is growing, but
0: it's still very small numbers. And in terms as well, we've obviously seen some moves being made <laughs> in terms of trying to set up a league over there and it looks like there has been some progress made there. T- talk to us about that and what stage they're at over there. I mean, I don't know who's... Is, are it's, you better... It's,
2: well, look, I mean, myself and Gary, <laughs> we spent a lot of time watching <laughs> it. Um, I think the league last year was a massive success. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you remember when professionalism came in in about 1996, 97 in Ireland. You had to fill up the rosters with uh, you know, 30, 35 players coming from AIL rugby and not often were they good enough to play professional rugby. <laughs> so I think at the moment now we have good rosters. We now have 10 teams that are set up for next year and the more younger the players come in, and as you said rugby's growing at, an, at a younger age the more of those players that come through and get rid of the dead wood the stronger that league is going to get what would the backgrounds of these players be in
3: terms of how much rugby they would have played
2: it depends I mean there's certain parts like the west coast of America now they have a very good underage uh, really? rugby you know they're, they're playing at six, seven, eight, nine, ten years of age and that's very exciting um, we have a lot of foreigners who've come in and obviously our our uh, are, are making a good impact there. Like call Marsh is heading over
0: to to, to Marsh, <laughs> the <laughs> Prince Lute. He's, yeah. so, he's so mad to have on the roster. He is. <laughs> yeah, he he's is. a great player. But those guys, again, as you say, and, and in Ireland even as well, you know, as much as I've been fairly vocal about, yeah. you know, trying to maintain, you know, trying try not to, I suppose, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, I think you mean, you know, there was an interesting that you see Augustine Show's tweet there about yeah. all the different nationalities yeah. playing. I think when you're trying to grow a game and even in Ireland I suppose to a certain extent you need different people from different, you know, you need a few New Zealanders here a few well, there, if you're if to you're bring up young, the average. If you're you know? a young
2: player now and you're yeah. watching New York play and you watch a town play and Colin mm. Marsh is playing the game and you know, he's throwing mm. speculative passes on the game line. He's showing really good feet. and He's playing the game in a really positive way. That's how they're going to think mm. the game is to be played. And Cahill will add great value in terms of the positivity they he can create. So Ben Foden in New York. Mm. There's a lot of really good structures and good coaches in America. I think the key thing is if we can get those professional clubs to start having academies and under-18s, mm. under-16s coming through, which is happening, mm. I think down the line you're going to see a lot of... Uh, positively come from you. And yourself. have you got a
0: plan in terms of the balancing act to that? Because there is a balancing act to that, you know, in terms of how many guys you get in or how many girls you get in to, to the setup that are from, say, different people. So you, you do balance, you get the learnings and you get, you know, they bring up the average of the team with their rugby IQ. Yeah. But is there like a balance to be struck there? I, I feel like Ireland has is on the edge of that. But I presume in a different, when you're in a developing Ooh, nation, it's probably. I, I
1: think, I think Ireland have got it spot on at mm. the moment. I think somebody who, who hasn't got it right is France, for example. Yeah. Uh, I was speaking to, to Philippe San André a couple of years ago, and he was saying to me when he was the national coach, that his challenges, that his, 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 his starting French 10 was playing in a club that were eighth in the top 14. Yeah. Because the, yeah. was the, the other seven clubs all had foreign 10. So that it's a, Brilliant question that, Luke, because it's a critical balance that you've got to strike. Again, I, I use the example is that after eight years, of nine years of being a fantastic servant to Ulster, they said to Ron, Pinar, your time is up because you can't block the chain. I just think Ireland are an are absolutely fantastic model of there's a reason why you guys are arguably, number one in the world at the moment now, and that didn't happen by accident. I think the the system that you guys have got in this country is absolutely spot on. And I think for many years New Zealand had that, and and still do have that same system, obviously, and it's worked wonders, you know, and it's a centrally contracted system, but it's also making sure that the pipeline, particularly of key players in key areas of the game, nines, tens, fifteens, twelves, eights, fives, twos, are not being blocked by too many foreigners coming in and and playing the game, and, and that there is a good enough pipeline, and and uh, I, I don't think Ireland are on the cusp. I think they've got it 100% spot on.
3: It's interesting, Greg, when Gary mentions why Ireland has gotten so right and when you always hear about how other countries could possibly replicate what Ireland are doing. And you'll know well from your experience with St. Michael's that part of the reason Ireland is so good is just a school system that's built on like over 100 years of tradition that Almost can't be replicated in any. i co- probably New Zealand is the
0: only country with the same level of schools. But they don't have the same competition. No. I, I think I think it's a great point you're making. Well, like it is, you know, we yeah. oh, you know that we can't be replicated at, in England or yeah, Scotland or like Wales. It's, it's hard to tell. Like there was twenty six thousand people watch me in a final when I was, you know, in two thousand. There <laughs> you was tr- there Luke. was there was thirty. T- but there was thirty thousand watching my dad play in nineteen eighty or nineteen seventy something seventy. I can't remember exactly what year. Like. There's huge crowd. Like, when I mean, you tell that to people from foreign, like, they just have... It's unheard of, you know? Well, I don't even think they'll have that in South Africa. Would they? have and they're rugby mad there. Like, I mean, that's... Every year, there is a huge amount of people watching those games. The interest level is incredible.
1: Yeah. Ironically enough, South Africa have got a... They've got a headache in the other way. They've got that following at school, rugby. Really? They've got that following easily. I mean, they are losing them all to They'll you. have a... They'll have a, a derby... A school's derby game that'll mm. be on national te- television live and will be watched by millions... Mm. The problem is they can't. They're not processing them post school properly, and they're not looking after them because the the exact system that we were talking about that Ireland have got so right, South African rugby have got so wrong, and they're not necessarily bringing the kids through and making sure that the development program process, I beg your pardon, is is, is good enough to hold on to the kids, and, and that's why so many so many of the better players are wanting to go and and, and ply their trade offshore.
2: But also, you're looking at you will take St Michael's and Black Rock. Yeah, uh, Luke. <laughs> uh, I mean, Black Rock is a mile away from St. Michael's. St. Michael's is a mile away from UCD, where Leinster train. It's, you know, 500 yards away from where Donnybrook is. It's mm. like half a mile away from the RDS, half a mile away from the Viva Stadium. I mean, everything is so centred here for these players, where in the USA, for example, we have a national camp. We have guys coming in, even within America, from four hours to go to the one place. Yeah. You know, you're talking, it's, it's so vast. It's such a big place. It'd be the <laughs> equivalent of players coming from Italy, Turkey... Ireland, Portugal, like the Netherlands, all over Europe together for one camp. I think the geography that we have as well as the country, you know, is a challenge. Is, is a challenge. Mm-hmm. And Ireland has that as another positive as New Zealand does which is a pretty it's strong Ramon
0: if it's uh, if it's more than a half
2: an hour in the car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember trying to get a player go to Blackrock. <laughs> Uh, the year that you were there trying to get a player to sign for Blacker, I can't remember who it was, and he's given out because moving from where he was and uh, as a club to Blacker was going to be an extra fifty minutes commute. <laughs> and we have we have a situation in America. I went down to Columbus, Ohio. To, I can't remember what it was. Paul Holmes got me down there to do something, and I was going down to watch an All Star game. I flew in, and this young kid collected me to bring me to the ground chatting away. He was a hooker. And I was like, so what's the story? you playing much rugby? He goes, yeah, but it's tough to get games around here. He's explained to me that he had to go 10 hours. Now here's 10 hours in a car. So so him and his mates in a car, 10 hours to play a game, no showers, back into the car, 10 hours back. Oof. And there we are trying to get a kid to come 15 <laughs> minutes away. He's telling me, no, <laughs> We've no idea, scale, you know? no idea yeah, of the scale. No idea yeah, of the scale. So yeah, I think that's yeah, uh, yeah. you know, part of our challenge and mm-hmm. we're very lucky that we, we now have players that are, are generally based in areas that they can they can connect and through yeah. you know, through the Wi Fi as they say and through remote learning we've got the ability to stay connected with our players throughout the year and Gary's made sure that, you know, through our SNC programme and through our learnings that we do a lot remotely and
0: that helps us as a group to be ready for camp. Yeah Gary I you, sorry a bit of a just a bit of a left field one because we were talking about, you know, the like how you kind of attract people in and the strategy and probably it's probably from the top. Like what are the kids watching? They're watching, you know, the 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 top team play but um, you know, they're watching the senior team play and if they have success, they say, geez, actually, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. I think it's so important that they're successful. I, think, I actually think it's a really good starting point to help it filter down. Do you ever think of the model of, say, um, Americans uh, football, USA football? I always think they came from, like if you look at the early 90s, you know, they had a few successful kind of bits, but like it's kind of come from nowhere in America and you look at the football model. Is there anything there that you kind of say, that's an interesting strategy they had there and that, that actually, it looks like it's really filtered down from the top I, I look I look at it and I think, you know, everyone always says, put the money back into the youth. But if they don't have anything to aspire to or a hero to look to, like, it's very hard for them to really want to go that path. Uh, do you look at the, I think the USA soccer thing is really, because you look at it, it's just really taking off um, for for me. And I always think rugby over there, I wonder, have you guys, do you, do you say that? That's actually a great and I think they'd love this sport. The commissioner of
1: the MLR at the moment it, it was the commissioner of Major League Soccer.
0: Oh, really and oh, they right.
1: specifically headhunted him for that very reason really oh. because he realized they realized that soccer was probably 20 years ago in the same place that rugby is at the moment they played soccer and uh, we're talking soccer now yeah like yeah. like we call it football oh, yeah football. <laughs> but they call football american football <laughs> yeah. but we're talking about soccer and 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 they realized that that it was a pop obviously the most popular sport around the world but it wasn't necessarily in America. And uh, they had to have a two two um, pronged approach as well, where exactly what you're saying, Luke. I mean, the first thing they had to do is they wanted enough kids to play the game, but they also needed the aspirational guys at the top, and hence the reason why I like Galaxy went out to buy the Beckhams and mm. you know all the other big names that eventually did come to the states and, and and get involved there and and put the MLS on on a on a platform that that you know the local kids around could aspire to. And obviously, what did help is is the United States getting a soccer world cup, uh, way back when, I think it was 94, 94. Yeah. Yeah. and that, and that, that yeah, made I a big, worry. that made a big difference, it's you know, that, idea, that's right. you know, that was always going to get media in interest and it was yeah. going to be on major networks there. And, and, and today the, the game is a, a pretty big game. there. It's, it's not, it's, it's not as big as what American football or basketball is in America, but it's still
3: a big game and there's big money well, in it's it. It's interesting we're talking about how, as you say, it's not as big a game, but there's still big money in it because America's so big, Greg, that there is probably enough people to go around for all these sports to be serviced to an extent. Like, you look at the population of Ireland, the playing numbers, that could be double, tripled easily, you know, in America, potentially.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's, it's one thing that I always think about. If you play college football, hmm. and there's so many really good athletes who play college football, so let's take the Yale football squad. They have a squad of 108 players in their squad for football. And there's no amateur football when they leave playing uh, college football. So once they finish college football, they're done. There's That's no it. American football. No, AIL. there's no like AIL, AIL the yeah. equivalent of it. So it really grates me when there's really good players who you can see have a good skill set and they'd be terrific crossover athletes to so try to convince them to play and they just don't want to play. No and interest. they don't want to play because remember, when you're a footballer in college, I mean, you're treated very differently to <laughs> to the normal college kid so to be a part of that is is pretty special and i think that's going to be you know a big challenge for us is how can we make it really appealing to a young kid as well to play rugby so the more that we have the likes of you know the the um i've forgotten his name ebner who played for the patriots who played mm-hmm. in her sevens team the more we have footballers who like Paul ck plays for us who played for the bears the more those guys Cameron who are Isles playing these guys. Yeah, the yeah, more those yeah. guys who come out and play rugby mm-hmm. people are like actually that's something that's quite interesting now they seem to be doing very well, they're being successful and it's about having really good coaches and really good ethos around rugby in, in the youth section get them playing the right way to make sure that when they come through the game they're skilled to actually play at a high level and that's a big challenge that we have as, as an organisation and we have the right people who are who are doing a great job with the underage rugby and it's just something now that myself and Gary are, are trying to do our best at the moment and
0: we're loving it And is that part of the job? Because obviously, you know, you you, again, as you say, you're it's a it's a development really. Is 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 the big part of the role? I'm sure, obviously, as well as being successful with the team. But you know, I I think it's something Joe Schmidt's done really well here as well. Actually, is coaching the coaches. That must be a big part of the role as well, Gary. Is it? And with all your experience from all the clubs and all the different places you've seen,
1: I'm
0: sure you'd have a huge amount to offer there. Well, I I mean you like
1: to think so. Of it, I'd <laughs> like to, <laughs> lot, <laughs> to offer, yeah. I'm not sure about that, but but it, it is a part. It, it is a big part of the role. Uh, again, one of the stumbling blocks that they do have is uh, that the USA have is is the game is growing, but in order for those youngsters that we were talking about once they get into the game there needs to be the appropriate coaching that can fast track them along and unfortunately if they keep doing the same things in an incorrect way then then the skill level is not going to develop as, yeah. as much as it should so it it is a, it is a big part of my role um probably if I'm honest something that 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 is is pretty difficult to be able to to nail down just because of the sheer size of the country. But we've, we've got a program in place. I mean, we have a a national development summit that you have in the beginning of every year. And we get a lot of coaches from all over the country that come to that. It's a really popular three or four day session. And, and whilst, I mean, you're not going to wave a magic wand in three days. it, it is a really good networking opportunity. And, 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 you know, this year in our off time when we haven't been playing test matches, it's been an important part of my role to get around and and try and spend as much time as possible ar- around the country and, and and getting to not only the professional organizations, but also clubs and, and mm. clinics around around the country. And, and, and the coach development is a very, very big part of, of where the U.S. rugby needs to develop in a big way.
2: Yeah, and, and Gary's done a lot of that. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm also lucky where I get the opportunity to travel around, uh USA a lot to all the different states and you sometimes you coach kids and sometimes you coach coaches. So if you go to a camp and there's twenty five players there and you're working with them it's great. But if you have twenty five coaches who you can work for for a weekend, that can affect over four hundred players if if you can kind of yeah. get amongst them and, and try and convince them with the way that the game should be played. And I think, you know, in fairness to Gary uh, one thing he does when he's not with the national team is he goes around the country and he's there to help anybody who, who is keen to learn, develop and change the way the game has been played. And I think that's what is really attractive about this role is America is an incredible place. I mean, the people are so keen. Uh, the rugby community is a really special one. It's, mm-hmm. it's nearly like for me, I'd, I'd equate to Ireland back in the early 90s when people were doing it for free. I mean, these coaches, a lot of coaches around around America are doing it for nothing. Mm-hmm and they're willing to put so much time and energy into it, and they want to get better. And I think uh, the more that we can provide them with the best practice and the best way to do it, teaching the young kids, that's going to help the country hugely.
3: So what Gary's doing is, uh, it's all credit to him, particularly when he's kind of busy doing everything else. Thank Great. Just to take it back to this weekend, obviously your involvement makes it special for yourself playing against mm. Ireland. But there's also a huge Irish contingent in the squad. Like I remember interviewing back in the summer after the Scotland game, and it was a real nice story. I think it was you yourself and four other players in the squad. Could you just tell us a bit about the other Irish guys in the squad and and their and their backgrounds? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I always say this: that USA and Ireland, we have a very yeah. nice, romantic relationship. I mean, uh, America, have looked Irish after days, us. Irish? No, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> things uh, have turned a little bit, a little, just a little bit. But um, <laughs> I'm not going there. Don't talk politics. Money am only messing. But I got to say, like you know, in our history, they yeah. they've looked out yeah, for us, it, and yeah. uh, you know, they reckon there's about 35 million Irish descendants who are living in America at the moment, and. Uh, yeah. You know, the Irish people who are there are very much playing for USA Rugby and they love it. They're very proud of coming from Ireland. But, you know, they're also very proud of being a part of a team who uh, who have come together and, and who are on this journey that Gary is leading. And um, we have John Quill, who is at Munster, uh, a Corkman, uh, Paul Mullen, who is a prop, and Dylan Fawcett. Dylan Fawcett. I was in yeah, boarding school with Dylan Fawcett. Fawcett. Jeez, he, he was also, a top when I was there. He also racked my very head old. As a skills <laughs> player. player. <laughs> 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 great played, player. Yeah, played yeah, Black great rock. player, yeah, yeah. Being a mm-hmm. Michael's man playing Black Rock, he was always a pain to play mm-hmm. against. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's with us and he's adding huge value. Mm-hmm. And obviously AJ is injured as well. And, uh, you know, we have another couple of players who are in around the mix and mm-hmm. they're in there. They want to play for USA Rugby and uh, they love the challenge that that we have. And I must say it's it, it makes it fun. Yeah. They call us the Irish Mafia, of course. <laughs> uh, it's a lovely
3: <laughs> reward this weekend, this game for you. Because obviously, you know, you're working away, doing your best for USA Rugby. But... A lot of you have been on the road less travelled to an extent. I remember interviewing John Quill before the 2015 World Cup. He was mm. telling me how he was working as an a uh, you know, personal trainer in Cork and then flying out to America for camps. Yeah. And now to kind of come full circle and have a home game at the Aviva Stadium and have a few of you guys maybe involved, it, it must be brilliant. It's brilliant. Look, it, it really is, particularly when you have so much
2: family here and friends and you get back for the week and it's a hectic week. But, at the end of the day, we have a World Cup to prepare you for in 2019. Like interviews and all sorts. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Cheers, Luke. No, no. I was, uh, uh, Gary, to come yeah, in for the, this interview. I, sorry, guys. <laughs> but uh, honestly, it's a case for <laughs> us. It's, it's about just this great challenge at the weekend. Just e- e- Whatever happens at the weekend, we're going to learn a lot from this yeah. as a group, and we got this great opportunity now to go back after the game and and improve our processes and try and get better. And the more of these opportunities we have as a as a team, the better we can prepare for the World Cup. So this is just a terrific opportunity to play against what is you know one if not the best side in the world. So for our players to have that opportunity to challenge yourself, and for us to look at what we're doing as a coaching staff, particularly me now, and I'll learn a lot from this weekend and see what I'm doing wrong and some things that are going right and. Sure, Gary will also tell me the same. <laughs> but uh, it's just about this experience and having you know having the opportunity for these players to play in, in whatever's 50,000
0: seater stadium is also a great experience. And, and what's your feeling for, for for the squad? I mean, do you feel like there's big potential for them to obviously to improve? But you know, just in terms of um, I suppose with the World Cup in in, in mind, um, and you talked about the rankings a little bit. But what do you think is what do you think the squad's capable of at the moment? Do you think there's you know is it is a top ten realistic? Um, I think
1: in a couple of years to come. I
0: don't mm-hmm. think right now. I
1: think um, uh, I, I like to equate it a lot of the time to to um, one of the things we speak a lot about is, is the development of cohesion. And that's something that the Irish squad under Joe have done excellently. So the cumulative caps in the Irish team that would have started against... New Zealand on the weekend. I, I don't know what it is, but it would have been around the 750 mark. Hmm. You know, we we're struggling. We're in like the the late 300s at the moment. Okay. So our challenge really is is, but but we've got half a dozen guys who are 20, 21 years old in the squad. So our challenge is is we're going to go to the World Cup next year. We, as Greg says, we we'll learn a huge amount over the next 12 months, and uh, no doubt we'll we'll learn a huge lesson at the Rugby World Cup. But then our challenge is 19 to, uh, 2019 to 2023 that we then need to solidify that group of players and we need to keep them together and we need, we need five or six players minimum to be having 50 plus test caps. And to be playing together over a longer period of time. And, and and the quality players of a Quilly and an AJ and a Paula CK and and those guys who can who can mold and blend together over over an extended period of time. And and and, and then, you know, then the future can be can be exciting. Um I, I think we're a long way off being a you know, a top ranked team in, in world rugby, but hopefully we can be competitive. Hopefully we can be a bit of a banana skin for a few teams and uh, you know certainly the attitude that the guys have taken on, and the unbelievable desire to learn, and and mm-hmm. just just love coaching this group of guys. Just not not because we're going to win every week, because we certainly are not going to, but just because there's just such an appetite, there's such an appetite for learning. And I will say, I, you know, I, I often think about this for hours on my own, and I, I do think that that's something that's been a huge learning curve for me. You know, after after being a coach for for nearly 20 years. So such a learning curve for me over the last year is, is that the one thing that I found with with American um, uh, American kids and American guys who've played sport is they may not necessarily yet be fantastic rugby players, but they're very good professionals. They know how to. They know what winning looks like. They know what the process is to to that you have to go through to to win. So when when you come along as a coach and you say this is your dietary needs and this is your strength and conditioning needs and this is what your skill needs are and this is the, the amount of time you've got to study video. They'll do it, you know, and and that's something I haven't necessarily been been a, a privileged to, funnily enough, ironically enough, the only other time I've experienced anything like that was in Japan, you know, where I found the Japanese players were exactly the same. You know, that, that real thorough, uh, look, just tell us what you want us to do and if it's going to make us better, we'll go away and do it. And and um, you know, maybe the, the better nations that I have coached in and the, and the better rugby playing nations, they're a little bit more laissez-faire and they you know, they don't necessarily think that they need to to go about that. So I've been really impressed with the professionalism of 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 the players and, and the, the the sheer desire and hunger to want to learn.
0: And in terms just sorry, Will <laughs> we're all at the same time here, it's <laughs> about off the, the draw. floor. Um, <laughs> just in terms of and you talked about your own career. Um, and you've had loads of experiences, as you mentioned there, uh, like what kind of coach are you? I'm always interested. This is, always, this is probably a more personal question. Would you consider yourself, would you be very technical? Were you into the nitty gritty of it? Or are you a big picture kind of coach you, you know, managing the, managing the guys trying to, you know, keep, keep the, the ship going or everyone going in, in, in the same direction. What kind of coach would you call yourself? Would you, or would you think of yourself?
1: Oh, I wouldn't even know how to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's an awkward one. Um, I'm, I'm I'm pretty data driven. Mm-hmm. um I, you know i you know I, w- one of the things i believe is if if we can measure it we can improve it mm-hmm. uh and 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 you know I, i've been criticized for that before no question of a doubt that i'm i'm too data orientated but you know i i believe the facts are the facts you know and um and and i f- I, I feel a, a massive responsibility to the players i think the role of a coach is, is very different today i think we have a responsibility you know we've got players livelihoods in our hands um, uh, the player getting a contract is, in in many ways, in our hands. Whether we, whether we pick a guy and we back him enough, that that'll put him on the world stage and and ensure that he he possibly has a has a living and a career for for a number of years. So, I, I feel a real strong weight of responsibility as a coach towards the players. And that the days of telling a player that, you know, I flicked a coin and, and you know, it landed on tails and therefore I can't tell the difference between you and another player is not acceptable for me anymore. You know, I feel the players deserve that kind of feedback and I feel, and, and, and you know, the days of a player coming to me and saying to me, I, I want to know what I need to do to improve. It's my bloody job to tell them what they need to do to improve. Otherwise, I'm not doing my job properly. So... Uh, um, I, that, that's why I believe in, in, in the facts and that's why I believe in data and, and I'm not saying my opinion will always be right and I'm quite sure it probably won't be but if I can back it up with, with video and I can back it up with data in terms of what we're looking for um, then I, I want to be very much orientated around that and um, in, in saying that I, you know, I, I believe strongly in a good environment um, I think that trumps anything you know, I've seen some unbelievably brilliant technical coaches who can't manage an environment, and I've seen some pretty average technical coaches who've got great environments. And I think they they come up trumps every time. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, a happy player will play. You know, he'll play. He'll be, a happy player who feels he's treated properly is 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 somebody who'll give back to the organisation, and that's what I aspire to. But no doubt, like every other coach, I'm I'm, I'm quite sure I get it wrong. Um, spectacularly on many occasions, but th- that's what I, I I try and aspire to in that blend. And while talk- we're
3: talking about your experiences and the ones you've had, i would be very interested to know what it was like being involved in the Springbok setup. You were an assistant coach there for for I think, tr- three or four seasons. We we're always very fascinated with the Springboks as well, and, and hear what it's like in in, in there. Uh, what did you find it like?
1: I had a, we had a wonderful four years. I mean. Uh, uh, it it was certainly not without its trials and tribulations. There's no question of a doubt about that. I mean, anybody being involved in South African rugby, <laughs> you know, you're on a roller coaster, and you're not just sure whether They're you're passionate. Be, you're not sure whether <laughs> you're going to get thrown off, or you're going to get whether you're going to get kicked off one of the uh, two. But it, I was very lucky. I mean, uh, and and I must stress, I was very lucky. It, it it was nothing to do with anything that I certainly did. We inherited it, we inherited the team after the 2007 Rugby World Cup, and. Uh, the, the, guy I worked with the head coach Peter at the time, uh, one of, one of the things he did do very well was he retained the group. Um, and we had a very strong leadership group, uh, Luke will tell you, cause we played against Luke on a number <laughs> uh, of occasions. What a team, what a and team. And we though. had, uh, yeah. you know, we had five super rugby captains all playing in the team. You know, we had, the, you know, we had Berger and Joanne Smith and Victor Matfield and Farid Dupree and John Smith. and. And, uh, and I think I mentioned Juan Smith, and all five of them were their provincial captains. So, you know, the leadership wasn't a problem. It's you know, the funny, ship
3: basically steered itself. It's funny, earlier we talked about when's the last time New Zealand were this vulnerable. Probably in 2009, I think you beat them three times on Herodot. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, we, we beat them in the end of 2008 in, in, in Dunedin, and then three times in 2009. And, and um, you know, that was, a, that was a very special time because we really thought we had their number then. You know, and obviously in 2-9, we ended up winning the Tri-Nations that year and beating them in Hamilton to win it. And, and, you know, not a lot of teams beat them in New Zealand, let alone to go there and win a Tri-Nation. So it was an incredibly special time. And, and really, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the Ireland team at the moment now, and I'm, I'm really reminiscing a lot about mm. that time when I look at the Irish squad at the moment now because I think they're on a very similar path. Uh, I think they're a very confident group. They've been together for a very long time. They're, they're playing a great brand of rugby. They're playing a very difficult brand of rugby to defend. Um, you know, they don't really have a weakness, you know, in, 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 uh, uh trust me, we have been doing enough analysis. We're not going to ask for the game, so, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so yeah. I mean, it's, and, and it's just great. To, it's just great to see the confidence that I just didn't look to me like, you know, the Irish guys felt they were ever going to lose in the weekend, you know, and, uh, mm. That's, like I said, it's 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 a, it's a healthy place for world rugby. It's a really healthy place for world rugby. And it's, um, I'm I'm unashamedly biased towards the Irish. I've, I've, <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge Irish fan. Always have been. Um, some of the greatest rugby players I've ever had the privilege of coaching, have come from Ireland. Um, and and you know today, incredibly dear friends of mine, and and I coach them for for years. You know, guys like Donal Callahan and Peter String are unbelievably good friends of mine now. And comfortably some of the best human beings I've ever had the privilege to coach. So uh, it's just delightful to see you know, such a great country doing so well in rugby.
0: And Greg, talk, talk to us a little bit about your own coaching journey because <laughs> you're obviously not as storied as, mm-hmm. uh, as Gary, you know, and what a career you've had so far. Um, but you're in the kind of I suppose I'm not going to call it the embryonic because you've had some great experiences so far, uh especially with the the, the women's team. and That was uh, I don't know, but I mean that was guilty. Uh, yeah guilty. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean yeah, you had a, a victory over over New Zealand with them, uh, which was obviously you know uh, re, you know that's special. You know I think they the the women's team are better than the they've been doing those uh, achieving the Irish uh, men's team for a long time and lots of different aspects. Um, but talk just us about your own career. And, and, and I'm sorry, I'm always interested again to figure out what kind of coach you, you'd like to become. Would you? I mean, obviously, I, I know from your Michael's days, from talking to a lot of the guys, that you're always very technically kind of, you know, you're a great technical exponent. You were big on, again, the basics of the game and getting the fundamentals wrong. Is that still something that you try to extol? And, and are they the values that you think, you know, when you look at your, your coaching career, because you've obviously decided that's what you want to do with your, with your career, that that's the kind of coach you're going to be?
2: I always say rugby is a simple game made difficult by coaches. I think, uh, you know, I I didn't come from a professional background in rugby. I played AIL and I played an OK standard. Actually, I tell a story that Philip Danaher came up to Dublin. Brian O'Driscoll hadn't played provincial rugby yet. and I don't know if you remember, he got selected for the Australia Tour. So Philip Danaher came up to watch an AIL match and it was uh, UCD against Monkstown in the semi-final of the league. And I was marking Brian O'Driscoll. <laughs> he scored thirty-five <laughs> points that day. Oh my God. The next day he was on a plane to Australia. <laughs> and enough said. But uh look, I, I was an OK rugby player, but I went down the educational route. I loved the game. I think uh I, I saw the game well as a player, I just wasn't quite quick enough. And uh I was big into education, how you could actually I suppose communicate with a group. So being in the classroom for me was a big thing. I remember when I wanted to become a a rugby coach, an old mentor of mine, Noel Turley, suggested I become a school and It was the best thing I ever did. Um, How are you able to get a message across in the simplest form to a group of people to get them ready for an exam? So I'd like to think myself as a coach, similar to Gary, that we have a responsibility now to the individual first and foremost to make sure that they're on a good uh, path, both as a rugby player and as a person. Mm. Um, But I'm a big believer in just being able to do the simple things well under pressure. And... um, you know, I suppose Gary might be able to answer that better than me but as a coach I just want to have fun as much as I can and uh, get up early in the morning with Gary we tend to work hard um, I like I must say I'm not going to say because he's here but I uh, really enjoy working with Gary we've got a really good squad as well we've got Sean Pittman doing the forwards we've got Hugh Bevan who's doing our S&C who's one of the best we've got a brilliant uh, performance analyst we've got a great management team we all get on really well together and, and we work hard and uh I hope that I'm the coach who contributes to that. Like my job is to assist in, you know, preaching the word of Gary and making sure they're all on the same page. And and that's what I hope that I'm doing for Gary and for USA Rugby as best I can. And I'm willing to learn
0: every single day. I want to get better. Every and, single day. I want to get better. And as Yale, so you talked about the education, and it is amazing how many coaches do come. Like even Joe Schmidt has obviously yeah. come from an educational background as well. But so many coaches do come from an educational background, as you say. I suppose it teaches you how to deliver, you know, simple message. Joe Schmidt's messages. I've been in all the camps, very simple. Like, he, and, and you know, it, look, it, it can expand out. You can make it as complex as you mm. want to be, but he breaks it down for everyone else. And it can be as easy as, you know, two or three words that apply to everything you do. Talk to us a little bit about Yale, maybe. And, and obviously you have the educational background from Michael's, but I presume that's probably brought you to a whole new level uh, there yeah. in terms of you mentioned earlier on. About kind of the business side of things, and there's a big crossover in sports and business, as I'm sure Gary will will tell you. And will there's a big crossover between the two? Um, how have you found that? Has it been a big help to your coaching? Massively, yeah.
2: I, I I went to America not knowing what I'd get out of it, and I got way more than I ever thought. Of. Like I look back and how I actually coached in St. Michael's, and I coach likes those guys that we know are playing at the weekend against USA. And
0: I mean, some of the things that I would have done, I'm kind of embarrassed about. Yeah, but sure, everyone has to go on the the journey, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I so mean, one of no, the things that, as a player, at least your stuff isn't on camera. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: very true. That's very true. We had some d- good times as well, Luke. If you remember, Dan strap But anyway, <laughs> you when you uh, say that, do you mean in terms of like
3: you were maybe a bit more simplistic back then, or just no, the way you delivered
2: it, or it's hard to explain. Like you obviously grow and evolve, and you develop as as a coach, and and you find your own way. I think the key thing is I found my own way, as opposed to constantly looking at other coaches and and trying to see what their way was and try to run with it. I've been really lucky to be around some great coaches. I mean, worked with Joe a little bit with mm-hmm. the Irish women's. Side and was with the Barbarians for a bit, being with Gary. And you know, was you just Gary's experience a, a big part of, of why he wants, yeah, massive because he comes from that business side, you know, like mm. where I mean, the analytics that Gary's go, Gary goes into, I've never seen before. And I think mm. that's a big contributing factor to why we're. Uh, improving you know we want to be competitive with the top nations I think we, we both agree that that's going to take time but you know if we can measure it we can improve it but mm-hmm. uh you know a gentleman at, at Yale Philip Lynch who was uh, the chairman of the Yale rugby board you know is a very very good businessman and we have you know ten people on the Yale rugby board and we speak very regularly and with me it's all about process and mm-hmm. how you can how you can go about your week to make sure that you're um you're making the most out of every single second, and I think when you look at anybody who's successful, whether rugby coaches or businessmen, uh, they tend to have common traits. They tend to get up very early. They tend to be very, uh, tend to be very organised, and they tend to have a good way with people. So that's something that I'm looking to always strive towards, and. You know, at Yale, the kids I deal with, I mean, sometimes you get an email through and you got to get the old thesaurus out <laughs> and say, oh, What's this word <laughs> what mean? What does that actually mean? <laughs> uh, but the, the, I've learned, I've learned uh, so much off the students. Um, they're phenomenal in how they view things analytically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even Gary got a chance to to meet up with some of them when we're in, when I we're was in Chicago. are going to Surely
0: it a, a, a data man like yourself <laughs> would have lent on, on yeah, some sort of uh, you know. Greg's contacts in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, I was very, I was very lucky uh, that Greg, you know, invited us up and we spent some time with, with a couple of the guys there and got to meet them. And uh, it is fascinating speaking with, you know, these, not not necessarily uh, only guys of our generation, but even the youngsters of today, you know, and some of the stuff that the, you know, they're processing and, and the data and the data analytics is really interesting. Uh, I do think you, I do think you can overcomplicate it, you know, mm-hmm. if, if, and I think that's what Greg said a little bit earlier is one of the key things, you, you know, a big uh, pardon, Luke, what you said about Joe, I think is a key thing is it doesn't matter what knowledge we've got. It, it's only going to be as valuable as, 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 how well you impart that into the players mm-hmm. and you've got to impart it to the lowest common denominator, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the person who can understand it because you need the 15 guys in the field to, to be on the same page. So that, that's the skill. That's, that's where really where it is. A, it, it is a skill. And, uh, it, it's really fascinating for me is, is, is watching, um, some ex-players who try and go into coaching mm-hmm. and, and, and the ex-player who may have almost been genius as a player simply just can't put it across to other players because he firstly struggles to fathom why other players can't do what he could do in a rugby field. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been fascinated to watch legends of the game. You know who I've had conversations with or coffees with, and you know I'm so excited to go and pick their brain. And I come away, then I'm thinking, man, I'm bloody stupid. I don't understand what a word he just said there. <laughs> I can't understand what he's talking about because, you know, it's just it's just yeah. in his mind he sees the game, and but he just he sees. But he sees no one else can read. understand
3: it exactly. As, as Funny, you there's say. almost like a direct correlation between sometimes the better, as you say, the better the player, the worse the coach. some of the best coaches of all time have been guys who haven't had. You know,
0: Joe Schmidt doesn't have a—he's exactly. not he have a storied rugby career, but he's just again, uh, as both of you were Joe Schmidt, saying,
3: Steve Hansen, Eddie Jones. None of these guys were like you know international rugby yeah, players. Yeah,
1: Graham Henry. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, um, Jake White. You know, Jake was a school mm-hmm. teacher. Mm-hmm. Michael Checker. Yeah, but, you know, Jake was a, a, a school teacher as well. You know, and just had a really good way of
0: imparting his message across when he needed to do it. So. Yeah, but you need to have a personality that people want to follow as well. Like as much as you know, like, and I thought that was really interesting what you were saying earlier on, Gary, about, um, you know, the de- creating the environment, you know, and I think it's it, it I was it was great to hear because again, you know, we like again, we are we I, I would love to see. I, I think one of my big passions in rugby at the moment, and it was why I kind of quoted the Augustine Pichot stat about all the foreign players that I think you know rugby we need to be trying to bring on like uh, you look at the likes of a uh, Georgia you know we need to be starting to include these teams the mm-hmm. US you know Samoa the Fiji, you know Fiji all these places the more teams that are playing better and competing on an international stage the more people we can get playing our great game and yeah. um, yeah. and i suppose it's passion that's why i'm really passionate about it. And i think you know it's great to hear that obviously you know you were at data focus but it was really interesting to hear that a really big focus for you uh, and greg was to create an environment that people wanted to come in and learn and to enjoy. Because I think that's so important. You can't really, it's really hard to teach people things if they don't actually enjoy the setup and yeah. they don't have a relationship with the coach.
1: I, you know, the, the other thing for, for me, uh, unashamedly, is 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 uh, you know I, I love a laugh, you know. I love the crack. And, and I mm-hmm. think one of the things that attracted me to want to go into becoming a professional rugby coach because I, w- I really wasn't a very good player, one of the things that attracted me was... The thing that I think we get in rugby that I, I I genuinely don't believe we get in another sport, and that is that off the field camaraderie. Mm. So why on earth would I not want to encourage that within the group? Mm. Because I think that is so often the key to successful teams. You know, I want the boys to I want to get that balance between working unbelievably hard when it's time to work, and having great crack off the field when it's when it's when it's time to to have a good time and enjoy each other's company and create memories. Because though that's that's when before you even know it, you, you are successful, and you don't even know why you're successful. Is because at the end of the day, we got to go. The the players have got to go into the trenches for each other, and, and you know that only too well. You guys know that only too well. And and if they're in an environment where they don't enjoy coming to work, and it starts becoming more of a chore than it is the enjoyment. Well then, I think we've lost the values of the game, you know, and 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 that is the true values of of this great game of rugby, and it's the reason why we all wanted to play it. I mean, you didn't want necessarily always want to play it because you want to get smashed. <laughs> you want to play it because you knew what the camaraderie was about, and I don't I don't really ever want to lose sight of that, you know. And and sometimes you find yourself when the when the when the pressure comes on and you're not winning rugby games and your jobs potentially on the line, you know, you certainly change as a person. You know, I, I've seen it and. You know, thankfully, I've got a wife who's very, very down to earth and very laid back, and she'll snap me back into place quickly. <laughs> but, you know, when your job is on the line, and, and literally is that dramatic, and, and unfortunately, I've been in that position before. When your job's on the line, your personality changes, and then all your values, potential, not your values, not your values in terms of mm. what you believe in life, but you well, start. Pressure because, does, yeah, the I mean, pressure yeah, does yeah. funny things to yeah. people, you know, and you start becoming, you know, you start becoming a bit of an idiot, you know, and then. Uh, uh, and then it starts becoming into a vicious circle, and it, so so it's
0: it's. But it's, you're probably in a position where you've learned those things. I mean, it's amazing. Like we talk, like we all talk about like different losses and, and having learned those things. Like in in life generally. And um, it's usually from those tough situations that you probably learn the most about yourself. And I, I presume, I mean, that was probably why you were, you were chosen for the job. You have all this experience. You've had the good ones, you know, your South African experience and being with the, probably the best team, if not one of the best teams of all time, um, to some of the tougher ones where maybe you've been under pressure. But I think when you're learning, it's great for someone like Greg who's kind of coming into the start of probably his career, hopefully, in coaching. We hope he goes on to, to great things. It's great seeing Irish coaches doing so well. But to be around, you know, I suppose uh, someone who's had all the experience. I mean, I presume you're the perfect person really, or you must feel like you're, that you're the exact right person to lead a team that is, you know, in a developmental stage because you've seen all the different things in your career. I mean, you must be ideally positioned. Obviously you you believe that in yourself. Do you say yes, Gary, please say (laughs) Say something. (laughs) No, i don't
1: say I'm the right person. I'm just very privileged that, you Mm. know, I, I was chosen. I had a, I had a really bad e- experience, as, as most coaches w- will have at one stage in their life. I had a very bad experience a handful of years ago. And that changed my my outlook on, on what I was going to do because that's when I had a. W- sit where down. were you,
0: Gary? Where were you? De- I, we don't have to get into the specifics. Like, what, what club were you with that it was, was kind at of tough? Bath. Bath and yeah. just a tough, like, so, as in things the, weren't the, going the, the well. The time or... at Bath
1: was going unbelievably well, yeah. but the way it ended was pretty. Dr- uh, uh um, at this point and, yeah, it was very, yeah, yeah. and it was very upsetting and and that that really sent me back to reevaluate mm-hmm. you know w- why I'm going to do this thing and and, and how am I going to approach it differently and it was really interesting after that because um uh, I got an opportunity to go to Japan and I thought, well, I think I'll, I would really, I wanted to go to Japan. I wanted to experience something different. I'd heard a lot of very good things about it and I wasn't disappointed when I got there. Hmm. I mean,
0: they're great people, aren't they? Wonderful. I've people. only had one trip over. Wonderful, just wonderful people, wonderful,
1: yeah. people, wonderful hmm. country. Uh, just, and again, just this unbelievable enthusiasm to want to learn and get better. And I, I really wasn't surprised when mm-hmm. Japan did as well as they did in the World Cup. But it 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 made me realize that, that one of the things I really enjoy about the game was going into a team that was struggling, and and then you go in you go in there and you you try and add some value. And I'm not saying you always get it right because you certainly don't. But you go and try and add some value to a team that is going through a bit of a tough time. And the, here's the irony: is is that when they're in that tough time and you can go in there and add value, your outlook almost is well. I haven't got anything to lose because they're already they're already in a tough place, and I started realizing that my entire outlook over managing them was not that I wouldn't feel nervous on game day because I would, and I obviously had high expectations to want to win, but I just felt that you know we are where we are going to be, so let's just crack on and, and do what we need to do without allowing the other the, the the you know the other stuff to get in the way, and and you know funny funny enough a couple of years later. Um, I spent a couple of years doing super rugby back home in South Africa with the Sharks um, and, you know, I, I chose that, I you know, that, that my time period was up there and I was very, very comfortable to leave and we had made a quarterfinal of the super rugby that year and I felt I left on good terms and I went back home to my wife and I said, you know, the, the next job I want, I, I, I want it to be tougher than that. I, and I, I decided to take Worcester when they were in a relegation battle, you know, and that that's when I met up with Donners and, and, and you know, good that's man. when...
0: Some trainer, man, yeah. you know,
1: and, and really i mean he yeah. was he was he was the he was the orchestra leader of that mm. you know i just sat down with him and i said don what's going on and he said they're broken you know they've got no confidence in and then we just we just built it up together and he he was he was the bandmaster of that he was the captain well we made him captain at the time and he just ran the show and he just said we're going to get the crack back into it we're going to have some fun here you know and and if we, we, we're already in trouble, guys. We're eight points clear at the bottom of the table. So if we lose, we're not in any worse position, but let's at least have some fun doing it. And I started changing my whole outlook on on, on how I felt towards coaching. And, you know, I, I'm I'm not going to put myself in a position again where I don't thoroughly enjoy it anymore, you know, and, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And I think it, it starts becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy because the more you enjoy it, the more you feel you can give back to others as opposed to, you know, feeling that there's a sort of Damocles hanging over your head the whole time because you don't want to live like that.
3: Greg, it's interesting how Gary talks so eloquently about his experiences like, you know, you're, as Luke says, you are kind of in in the beginning phase. Like, what are you hoping to get out of, of rugby? She's, I've, been, I, I've been coaching for 20 odd years now. And, you know, it's <laughs> gone, <laughs> gone the long
2: way around. Ooh. I mean, I love what I'm doing at the moment. Uh, like Gary said, I have a very patient wife um, who <laughs> supports me because honestly, anybody who's out there listening who's a rugby coach understands what it's like. I mean, the amount of hours you got to put in outside of coaching is crazy. And... Uh, I just want to enjoy what I'm doing. I want to try and contribute anywhere that's willing to have me contribute and at the moment myself and Gary have a great working relationship. Um, I think USA Rugby are incredibly lucky to have Gary steering the ship and I'm just happy to do all I can to work as hard as I can to try and make USA better and uh, I had a brilliant time in St. Michael's and I've had great times like the Blackrock Rugby Club and other environments and Leinster 19s and with the Irish women I've worked a lot of good coaches and I just want to keep growing and getting better and... You know, just trying to be involved in this ridiculously good game <laughs> that we all love. Here <laughs> we now, are now chatting thing that's about. You know,
1: quite handy. Is that? Is that? we've got a situation that every time Greg mentions St. Michael's or Yale I get a tenner <laughs> so I'm probably so going to be retiring at the end of this the this has year, been so. a tough week I mean already <laughs> last week in Romania
2: I was getting grief and this week I mean some of the some of the <laughs> some <laughs> has been, he's
1: been unplayable, <laughs> <laughs> unplayable. Well, just, uh, but, listen, we just Schmidt you better watch out <laughs> before, we,
0: before we go we may as well just touch on the game this weekend just just really briefly you talked about, b- briefly about Ireland and you know possibly not having any weaknesses at the moment they're in a very strong position um, but talk to us a little bit about your own team and what you feel the strengths are at the moment. I, I know you're in the developmental stage, as you say, but you know you must see some things because there is some really nice rugby players that you have on the on the squad there. Like like what what areas would be looking to? I suppose if you're opposing your own game plan, what would you say? Do you know we're good at that. If we can do that well, you know you know we can, that's an in for us into the game. We can put pressure on them there. I
1: think Greg touched on it a little bit earlier when, when he said about doing the simple things well, mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel with all the respect in the world, I, f- I think that when you, in, in, in the past as a, as a, 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 an emerging nation, there's a tendency to try and become a jack of all trades and be a master at none. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of the things that, um, I, I hope we're going to be able to bring on the weekend is, is, is we've got one or two areas where i, I I think we are reasonably good, um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, there can be a point of difference and, and I think we just need to do that and, and do that well. I don't think we need to try and take Ireland on, for example, in an expansive game as an example, mm-hmm. you know, don't try and take them on at their own game because, you know, we're not going to be as good as them in, in, in that aspect. And there's one or two things I think, you know, we think we do reasonably well and we need to do that often, you know, and we need to just keep getting better and better at doing it. I mean, defense is something that you know i know takes a little bit of time and we're improving but we're not remotely where we need to be so we have got a big challenge this weekend defensively because ireland are a team who have the ability to keep the ball for very long periods of time and and that's something that's going to test us this weekend because we haven't come up against a team who a are so good and b have that as a quality of of skill which is being able to keep the ball for very long periods of time i mean there was a there was a there's some information that I want, like we were having a look at Ireland over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, there, there's like, there, there have been games where there's been a dozen incidents where Ireland have been able to hold onto the ball for longer than two minutes. I mean, that's unheard of. Firstly, they must be incredibly fit team, which we know they are. And secondly, the ability to hold onto the ball for that extended period of time is, is almost in the game reasonably unheard of at the moment. So uh, I think we need to do the simple things really well on the weekend. Um, our objective for the weekend, we just... We just hope we can earn a little bit of respect. You know, that's all we really want to do. We want to get into the field. And, you know, at the end of the day, it would be really good if the Irish boys can go, fair play. They gave us a bit of a fight today. And, you know, we just want to win some some more friends and, and build the game.
2: And to piggyback on to Gary there, I think, you know, we need to create our own DNA. And that's something that we're very strong on. We don't want to play the way other teams play. We want to play the way that suits our players. I think as a coach. Very often, it's important to profile your squad and see where your strengths are and realise what your strengths are and pr- try and play to those strengths to be competitive. And as I said to you this weekend, there's certain things that Gary said we'll do well and there's certain things we'll do poorly and we'll have to work on and change. And, you know, we're evolving as a rugby nation to be competitive. And what better way than to, to play Ireland in their own, their backyard and to try and challenge the players to see how we can improve? And uh, I often talk about it with Gary if we can be better tomorrow than we are today, well, then we're doing something right. And, um, just can't wait for the weekend now and just see how the players react
3: to that. Uh, Greg, Gary. You've been so generous for your yeah, time. Such a great much, insight guys. into American rugby and both, both of your careers. Really, really enjoyed that. Thanks so much. Thanks for having Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. I, appreciate. I, I, appreciate. I know you guys are
0: busy, but uh, no, listen, thanks for meeting We me. really appreciate it. And we wish you all the best in a World Cup cycle as well uh, to very, very, very exciting coaching ticket and obviously one of our own, Greg. Look after him, uh, mm. Gary. We're we're looking, we have high hopes for him, so hopefully we'll, we'll end up at some stage back <laughs> uh, back over here coaching uh, one of the provinces or something, or maybe <laughs> Ireland, well, who knows, well. who knows. Thanks a million, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thank guys. Appreciate
3: it. it. That's all we have time for the podcast this week. We'll be back next time with another great podcast. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thank you so much for listening and goodbye.